Before we get into the meat of this episode, I have a brief announcement. Four songs will be taking a bit of a breather until mid-May. Yeah, I'm going to take some time off and get ready for what's going to be an exciting summer. Got lots of cool stuff coming down the pipe, but I can't really believe it. And I can't talk much about it now, so just stay tuned. Anyway, make sure you subscribe to the show or follow me at 4songs2 on Twitter so you don't miss anything, because trust me, you're not going to want to. Until then, though, let's take a deep dive into the songwriting process with one of the most unique and intrepid songwriters that I've talked with so far, Berkeley, California-based Emily Brown. Blessed with a voice recalling Joni Mitchell in her California heyday, Emily is a thoughtful, deliberate artist who looks for beauty everywhere. She's also an explorer, mining musical inspirations as diverse as Glenn Campbell, Loretta Lynn, and the lush orchestration of The Sound of Music, sometimes all in the same song. I spoke with Emily in early March via Zoom from her California home. Like all of us, she's been cooped up since last spring as the pandemic continues to wreak havoc. Last fall, Emily released a second album called A Fish of Earth, right smack in the middle of COVID. She's been unable to tour, though she's found peace in doing live strings and playing music with close friends who are within her pandemic pod. A Fish of Earth is an adventurous album, brimming with experimentation, symphonic melodies, sparse pianos and guitars, and so much more. We talk about four songs in particular, Amen, Amen, I Get the Feeling, Traipsing, and Game Show. On one song, you might be hearing a haunting, lonely church organ, while on the next, you hear a cacophony of strings and woodwind instruments. Emily credits these sounds to her collaborators, Bly Wallentine and Stuart Wheeler, but it is her spirit and voice that shines throughout. Lyrically, Emily takes a deep dive into relationships throughout the album, mostly personal about her partner, but also about her family and her Mormon identity. Religion and God are felt throughout, as Emily explores where she fits into this changing and dynamic world. As someone who's raised Catholic, I can relate to figuring out whether and where these pieces come together, and sometimes they don't. This interview is as educational as it is musical. We get a bit philosophic at times, but at its core this is about songwriting. Emily talks candidly about her craft and how this album was a cathartic experience to write and record. So to all you aspiring songwriters out there, get those notepads ready and welcome Emily Brown to Four Songs. Thank you, Emily, for joining me tonight. This is a great pleasure for me to be chatting with you here on Four Songs, so I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for having me. Well, great. So we're going to be talking about mainly your, your new album called Fish of Earth, which came out in October. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I started this back in May of last year, which is almost a year ago, which is incredibly hard to believe. Yeah. And this is right as the pandemic was hitting. So what's life been like for you in the last several, almost a year now? Oh man, I mean, a lot of walking my dog around my neighborhood, significantly more hiking. I'm, I'm glad in some ways that the pandemic has kind of pushed me outside. And I don't know, I mean, just less social, but in, in other ways, a lot more creative, which I'm thankful for. So I don't know, hard and also beautiful. It's a very weird time. Yeah, yeah I was being curious how it's affected people's ability to, to be writing, you know, when you're not getting the interaction or the, the yeah. Just- normal life has it affected your writing it's absolutely a different kind of writing you know it's less it's less inspired by personal experience you know different sorts of things happen to you when you're out interacting with people you know I feel like I used to be very inspired by just odd interactions that I would have I'm walking around in downtown Berkeley 
And today I feel like what I write about is much more introspective and, and a lot more about nature because that's, I don't know, so much of what I'm able to experience right now is just like, I can be outside, I can be with my partner, Kyle, I can hang out with my dog, you know, and other than that, it's really, it's quite limited. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the same here. So one thing I was curious about, because you released this album in the height of the pandemic and what was that like for you as you were kind of seeing the release date getting nearer and also thinking, I don't know if I can tour to support this or, or what was that like for you watching this get closer and closer and the uncertainty continuing? Yeah, it's absolutely been confusing. And I think as I was kind of choosing the release date, I pushed it back a couple times and thought, okay, like maybe, maybe by that point, you know, in the months after that, it might be possible to tour. Now it's March and it's kind of, you know, it's been uh, almost six months, I guess, at the end of this month, it's, it'll be six months since October, which is crazy. And time just feels so plastic right now. So it's hard to, yeah, it's hard to even look at it in a, in a way that feels clear. But I don't know. I think, I think by October, I had watched lots of other people who I admire release albums and do creative things related to music. So I do feel lucky that although I was kind of like in the height of the pandemic when I released my album, there were at least for me six months of other people kind of figuring out how to release music. And it has been like an opportunity to think creatively. When did you first start? writing songs and what was your earlier inspirations to get you to that direction? I think I've been excited about both music and language for about as long as I can remember, which is sort of weird. Like when I was really little, I liked, I just watched the sound of music all the time. I was like obsessed with it. And I, I wrote my first song, I think when I was 12. And I don't know, I think there's something really special about childhood when you know, a creative idea occurs to you and you don't have as much judgment as you do when you're an adult. Like there are certain things that are, you know, I feel more intimidated about trying. Like for me, example, painting is pretty intimidating to me or playing the drums is pretty intimidating. And I shy away from those things. But I do feel like when you're young, uh, like really young, you know, a kid, it's less scary to be a beginner because you're a beginner at everything. So I think I just kind of thought like, yeah, I can do this. And I played the piano a little bit and definitely have like the practice has changed and and developed. But I feel like now at this point, I'm trying to get back into that beginner state where I'm less judgmental of myself and like, can just let things happen, Um, which is actually a big part of this record. Yeah, definitely here. There's a lot of freedom, I feel like. And you mentioned the sound of music, just, I hadn't really put that together, but there is a lot of just orchestration and just big sounds and Yes, so yes. we'll talk about Fish of Earth. And so what I was asking you, just what led you to take that direction with this album and just create such a broad sound, at least musically? Yeah, I think a, a big part of it was informed um, with the help of my collaborators, Bly Wallentine and Stuart Wheeler. I had kind of inched in this more orchestral direction with the album before this, which was Bee Eater. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my producer about that album and thinking like, oh, I know what sound, it, it, it kind of took me a long time to figure out what I wanted with that record. And that was sort of a harder experience because it was kind of one of my first uh, more intense and drawn out album production experiences. 
so it took me a long time to figure out how to interact with the producer just generally. It was, um, that was a really new experience for me and pretty hard. And I think A Fish of Earth was different in that I had an experience under my belt. I knew a little bit more of how I wanted to get started. Um, and so I met with Bly Wallentine and Stuart Wheeler like six months before we even started production. And we just talked about like what we wanted. We played different tracks for each other and just sat around for a couple of days kind of figuring out how the album would be. So it was a really collaborative process. And we took a pretty radical move in pulling out largely piano and guitar, which are the instruments that I play. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then transcribing my song demos pretty directly into like orchestrated arrangements, which was the work of Bly and Stewart. That's not something that I feel capable of on my own. Yeah, I think, I think that's something I've always wanted to try doing and kind of felt incapable of. And I'm just like really grateful to these people for collaborating with me on that. And I also think my role in a big way was just like being open to trying different things because the album that I made before this, I feel like I held the creative direction very tightly and wanted, I was very perfectionist about it. And I think my experience making A Fish of Earth was kind of relinquishing that a little bit. So we're talking about four songs from A Fish of Earth. We'll be Amen, Amen, I Get the Feeling, Traipsing, and Game Show. And these are all incredibly diverse and some of them are kind of haunting too, in a way. And but there's, you mentioned the instrumentation. I, I mean, that's what hits me right away. And so you mentioned, and I think I talked about it too, just a sense of freedom that came with this one. Was How did you set that tone? Was it just like you said, relinquishing some of that perfectionist control over it? Or was it something yeah. like um, I I think some of it was, yeah, a personal attitude, kind of wanting to have, wanting to have a different experience with this record. Um, I also definitely owe a lot of it to my collaborators who, if you go and kind of listen to their other stuff, they've both done kind of just really diverse types of music, like worked on all kinds of things. And I think what's unique, honestly, about both of them is, is kind of that ability to improvise a little bit, treat music in a playful and improvisational way. Um, they both also studied experimental music. Um, with some of the composers uh, in Utah where I went to school. And I think just having that energy around helped a lot. And I think it also helped that we did so much of the work in real time. So, you know, we recorded all of it kind of in one setting and in 10 days where we were, we were all in the same city, even though like I live, I live here in Oakland and they lived in Provo, Utah at the time. So we all came together and kind of like made this little workshop of it, sort of like an artist residency thing so that we could just get it done and be in that space and be kind of committed to that space and to playing together and just like seeing what would happen. And I think, yeah, I, I guess um, it's making me think about how hard that is to do now during COVID right. and how grateful I am that like it happened and that, you know, I have this record now that's sort of this document of a time when you know in-person collaboration was much easier and and much more present and um i do think there's something really special about that and i look forward to a time when i can do it again (laughs) yeah all right well let's talk about the songs so we start out with amen amen and to me this is kind of a haunting song but i love that the way it opens with that church organ yeah what was the inspiration for that just the beginning of that one i did want this song to feel 
kind of like a thesis of the album, you know, as it like starts off at the beginning. There was a moment when we were just listening to the songs in alphabetical order and like, um, so it just happened to be at the beginning. And um, it felt really good to me because both lyrically and sonically, it feels like this very foundational thing, you know, it's got this religious feel. It opens with these religious words that translate to, you know, let it be. Amen, amen, are you a friend, are you a lover, when we don't talk to each other, I get tired again. I think it's just sort of like articulates the wish of the album that is something about partnership and transcendence and yet I just I like that it's kind of almost percussive in the way that it's just like duh, duh, you know like just really kind of overemphasizing those words in an interesting way but yeah I think I think it says these things in kind of a, a murky and like you said a, a haunting way about expectations of monogamy and expectations of religious life that I think are pretty central to the album. Yeah, I was going to say, there is, I hear that, I mean, relationships generally, but that just mm -hmm. can be different types, different, different people and family mm -hmm. and God and, and partners and, and yeah, religion. yeah. And with this one, it, is this kind of, you say it kind of to kickstart the album, because I feel like there are so many different relationships in this album. Yeah, yeah. Is this like a kind of a general, like, to set the stage, we're going to be, you know, or is it kind of more of a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship? Yeah, I, I think that it's kind of general. Um, I definitely feel like the album, the album largely is directed at my partner, you know, and, and I think that's something that's easy to relate to is just like, there's the idea of the romantic other and that's everywhere in popular music, in any music, you know, forever. But I do think, I think this album is also trying to play with that, with um, the notion of the the kind of romanticized other, which I think also in poetry and music can kind of shape shift into the other as lover or the other as spouse or the other as God or the other as parent. I think this song, like the rest of the album, is kind of trying to push that boundary but I do think it largely it is like yeah there's the romantic other that's the easiest way to get to it but yeah I also feel like I'm trying to play with that yeah that's you know it took me a while to find the one for me and so I, I appreciate the lines like you know you said I don't you said I don't feel like you understand a thing I've said all day yeah 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 I've been there <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely well yeah I mean yeah so much of this album is about like trying to cross a bridge between like your own thoughts and another person's thoughts and how hard that is. And that's like at the center of so many relationships is just trying to be like, can we communicate? Like, can we understand each other? And can we feel understood by each other, you know? <laughs>
that's kind of the major shift between part one, part two. We go into kind of a drone thing there. And I remember that was, I'm pretty sure that was Stuart's idea um, because when I composed it, I had these kind of like arpeggiated moving chords. I think the drone makes it feel much more meditative uh, because those are, you know, you associate drones with like monks singing in an (laughs) abbey, you know, stuff like that. And I, I think that really adds to the seriousness of it. So the next song I want to talk about was I Get the Feeling. And I feel like this song is probably the most straightforward kind of poppy song that we're yes. going to be talking about. And this yeah. is where I, you hear that kind of Glenn Campbell. and But your voice is kind of has that Johnny Mitchell vibe. But and just yeah. from your perspective, how did you first come up with this? Was this sort of like a guitar? Because you said you write with the guitar. Yeah. Kind of initially. It sounds like this would have been one of those songs, but I'm just curious. If, yeah. Um, I'm okay. a huge Glenn Campbell fan. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Which I think is really clear in this song. I feel like the influence is like, is very, very clear. And I'm also just a huge fan of the, that time of music. Uh, my mom used to watch the Howdy Doody show like a lot <laughs> as a kid. And, um, and that era of music is like very beautiful to me. And actually that's like, that's a direction that I want to pursue more with kind of albums that I'm working on right now. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, I wrote that song originally. I was just kind of singing in the kitchen while I was doing dishes and I I think I think the melody really controls the the song and then I then kind of picked up a guitar and was like okay I'm gonna you know put this in and I knew that it was gonna be a western song and that that was you know really central to it and I wanted it to feel kind of saucy in the way <laughs> that like Glenn Campbell or Patsy Cline feel to me or Loretta Lynn you know I wanted it to feel like I have a thing to say and I'm going to say it. And, you know, it's the most important thing there is in the world right now. I get the feeling you don't know Yeah, I, I come from cowboys on my mom's side. Uh, you know, my my great grandpa would like roped at Madison Square Garden and stuff oh, wow. like that. So like pretty, pretty in that world. And I also think like I'm really proud of the fact that my um my grandma who lives on a farm in Arizona, this is like her favorite song on the album, oh. which I'm really happy about. Yeah. So you said you kind of have this melody in your head. So that's one thing I think that separates the those who can write songs and those who can't, because that mm-hmm you just kind of wake up and kind of 
you start hearing it or and then you just got to get your guitar. I mean, anytime inspiration hits. Yeah, yeah. There's a thing in Julia Cameron's book, um, The Artist's Way, that talks about how like kind of doing meditative or repetitive activities can help um, inspire you. She talks about like cooking or doing dishes or even like driving. And I do think that has been the case for me that like sometimes I'll kind of get interested in maybe a line that I thought of or something while I'm on a walk or while I'm doing the dishes or, you know, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's totally unique except for that. Like it is a, it is a skill that you start kind of paying attention to those types of thoughts. Like, I think for me, a big part of my brain that wants to go there is that when I, when I hear a little piece of language that I think has an interesting rhythm, it gets me really excited. And I think that's like, that might be the part of my brain that is like a songwriter <laughs> innately or something. I don't know. Was there a line in, in the song that got you moving on in this direction? This song really just poured out of me, which is something that is rare, rare for me as somebody who is a songwriter. So I. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, because it does feel like, because I, I don't know, I, I guess I've been talking to a, a number of different musicians and songwriters and they always say, you know, there's, the ones that just come out, there's no explanation for it. There's no like scientific method, but they're the ones that sometimes they, there's just something special about them. And yeah. There's just something unique and they, they can't really explain it. So I guess, do you feel that that same way? That just like, here it is? Yeah, I do. And I, I feel like a big part of that is like just being willing to show up. Mm-hmm. But I do think like, there are habits that you can establish that allow you to be there when something like that might happen. And you can just kind of talk in a way that feels right for the moment. I do think if there's something relatable about it, it's like everybody probably has those moments where you're, I don't know, in an, in a highly emotional or stressful situation and you finally say the perfect thing, you know, and everything just comes out of your mouth. Like, that's exact, you know, it's like when you think about arguments after the fact and you think of what would have been the right thing to say, every once in a while, there's a moment when you really do say the right thing and the other person really understands you and you communicate it correctly. I think that's what writing a good song feels like in that moment where for some reason your brain is just functional <laughs> in a way that it's not in other moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And lyrically, I, to me, this is a pretty uplifting song. I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah kind of confirming, you know, it's again about a relationship, but just I like the line I like the most, I think, is I know my sweet isn't always sweet. I know my kind isn't always a good. And mm-hmm. I just, again, I just like that, that just admitting, hey, you know, I'm not going to always be 100%. Yeah. I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> there are moments when if a relationship isn't going perfectly 
you kind of have two choices where it's like, you can stick to your guns and say like, no, I really believe in this thing. Or you can kind of say like, oh yeah, this is going badly. But I think like, I think when you're, when you're committed to a relationship, it's kind of both. It's like, yeah, this is kind of shitty, but like, I believe there's something important about this. And like, I really want to do it with you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like how this, I really like how the song ends with the, the saxophone and the, the yeah. background singers. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So what are they saying? I couldn't quite make out what they were saying. In the- oh, they're just, they're saying, I get the feeling you don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bly uh, Valentine they yeah they arranged this song I think you know it just like came to them one night speaking of mm-hmm. you know transcendent revelatory yeah. music experiences and uh, oh the sax is Logan Hone who's an amazing musician in his own right so got two more songs and thank you again <laughs> for your time I guess it's yeah. afternoon where you are it's probably why I look a little out of the shade here yeah, a little darker yeah so traipsing and mm-hmm. This song is in my head right now, so that tells you how, how catchy it is. <laughs> so how long, I mean, I feel like there's just a lot of different arrangements in this one. And yeah. How long did it take to, to put this one together for you? This song is probably the most directly transcribed from like a voice memo that I sent to Stuart. So I sent him a voice memo of the way that, the way that I played it on the piano and kind of mistakes and all. And Stuart liked it so much that he decided to transcribe it, mistakes included, you know, it like to string. So there are some parts in there that are kind of dissonant and feel really experimental and weird. And that is like absolutely a Stuart choice. It's not a choice that I feel like, it's not a choice I would have made up on my own. And it is a choice that I think was very informed by my choice not to be um, so perfectionist about this record. pretty quickly just because it was directly based on how I how I was playing it as I was writing it so but lyrically I mean this feels like it could be again about the relationship for love but also kind of bigger than that yeah yeah for me this song is very directly about my partner 
it does kind of incorporate these romantic ideas. And I mean, particularly the romantic period, like in American and British literature, where there's this sort of idea that, that, that some of the greatest beauty is like in your home or like in these very natural kind of like in simplicity, that's where like beauty can be found. I like thinking about how if you pay attention to minor things or things in proximity to you, you know, you'll find more beauty in them. Yeah, and the, the word like traipsing it makes it seem like you're really not looking that hard, but you yeah. are trying to, you're Just getting like there. wandering around. Yeah. thing is I just like language and so I feel like I end up using kind of like words that are fun to say sort of on accident and then going along with them yeah right this is probably one of my favorite one on the album just because I guess like it's in my head right now and <laughs> it's a it's a one thing when you're doing the instrumentation or when you're working for collaborators I mean you have you, you had like that skeleton on your your voice memos and when they came back to you with the ideas and you, and you heard it was it just like wow this is not what I expected, but this is just really awesome. I was, that? Yeah, definitely was really, I think the moment of kind of hesitation was when we were doing pre-production because they told me, you know, like we sat down and Stuart was like, what if it sounded like this, you know, and we played. So I feel like I had, I feel like I had a concept of what it was going to be like. So by the time we were sending arrangements back and forth and listening to like the MIDI versions of what it would be like before we recorded it in person, I was very into it. Like I wasn't, it wasn't not meeting my expectations by that point. But I do think as we were deciding together, it was like, what if we transcribed it exactly? I think that was the moment of hesitation for me where I was like, do I like, do we really want to like transcribe this kind of like really early draft and um i'm really glad i went along with it because i like it so much now mm -hmm. yeah so i want to thank you again for your your time tonight or this afternoon yeah welcome where we are so the last song i wanted to talk about is game show and i think this one lyrically i, I think probably hit me the most because i feel like there's just a lot going on here and it's yeah it's yeah talking about a lot of different things so just from your you know when you're putting this together what was your mindset just lyrically for this well if you want to know about kind of the direct moment, it was a pretty early time in my relationship with my partner, Kyle. And, you know, we were arguing about where we were going to go for Christmas, you know, and I, and I'm quite close with my family and, and very emotional about my relationships with my family. And so I was kind of, you know, worried about like, what are our levels of commitment to each other? You know, how do we, how do we show our families that we love each other? We're not married and, you know, might not ever get married, we're not sure, you know, it's a complicated question in itself. I think it was a pretty intense moment of confusion where I was 
very early on in, you know, this long-term relationship and kind of wondering what we meant to each other. How did we express that? You know, if we show up for Christmas or don't show up for Christmas, like what does that mean to our families? Um, what do they believe about us or about our level of commitment, especially as two people who we both have weird relationships with our home religion, which is Mormonism. So, you know, it definitely doesn't jive with the way that our families want us to be Mormon. So I don't know. Yeah, a lot was going on. And I was just in one of those really emotional moods about it. Um, and that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. So the, the theme, I guess, the game show, which makes it seem like, yeah, we're just going to answer some questions and then we're going to win. But then yeah, it's not about that. So I'm just curious, what was the, the game show? How did that come to you as, as a symbol? Early on in, in this relationship, I had a really hard time just like talking about things. And so my partner and I would get into kind of this pattern where he had to just like, like we had to kind of like tensely interrogate each other. Like, and sometimes it felt like he was so sure of himself and I was so unsure of myself that it almost like didn't feel fair. It was like, he, he had all the right answers and I just yeah. had to like kind of deal with that or something. Um, and I think that was kind of confusing. And sometimes it, yeah, it did just feel like, okay, here we are on a couch, like having this really intense conversation and it didn't feel, um, it didn't always feel loose the way that you want a conversation to feel with your romantic partner. It kind of felt like we're just going to slog through this and it's a little bit scripted and maybe we've been over it before, you know? If I have the questions and you have the answers and if this is a game show, you're gonna win. But it isn't a game show. We're just sitting on couches, saying things that need saying. And I'm And I also feel like, and maybe I'm just interpreting it too far at times, but the, the, yeah. there's also, I feel like, the discussion with God. And you, you mentioned the religious yeah. aspect of it. I was obviously Catholic, so I never, I, I, you know, symbols and all that, it's always like, yeah. it stands out to me as a, as a race Catholic. I'm not, I don't practice that anymore. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. so I was just kind of curious as well from your perspective, was, was, and you mentioned it just about you know, your, your family's religion and mm -hmm. how that plays a role into it. And in this song, is that, I feel like you're addressing that a little bit here too. It might be about family. I don't know if they'll love me outside the church. But it is about timing. And I guess about and I guess about symbols and how they hurt. I was a, a, a deeply religious Mormon. I served a, a Mormon mission in Russia. And um, so that's a huge, huge part of my life. And honestly, 
a really intense experience in my life to kind of navigate a less, you know, like a lapsed relationship with it where, you know, now I, I live with my boyfriend, not married, you know, I, I do a lot of things that people who are really orthodox would not be into, even though I still feel like I want ownership over my Mormon identity because it, you know, it's my ancestors and, you know, it's just a big part of my life and what informs who I am. And I think, I think my family and, you know, like that was a scary thing for me to navigate uh, with my family because a big part of what made my family close was kind of this agreed upon participation in the church, kind of all in the same way, that that was something we could connect on, even if um, our personalities or interests were different otherwise. I, I think a cool thing about religion is that it kind of forces you to engage, not forces, but asks you to engage in things that are mysterious and beyond you mm-hmm. and can make you feel like, you know, remind you that the universe is really big or something. But sometimes it feels, sometimes that same thing feels really lonely and really alienating. And I think this song is kind of doing those two things where it's saying like there's this distance from the partner and distance from the family and distance from God that are kind of all going on here. Was this a hard one to record just because it's I mean there's just so many different things going on and it seems so yeah. personal. Yeah definitely a lot of it so we recorded a lot of it live. This is probably the song that terrified me the most <laughs> to like make the you know because there's the kind of um, the crescendo and the screaming like at the end. done with it I was like oh no I think I made like a terrible mistake (laughs) like especially because in the past I've had kind of I've had a I had at least one review that kind of penalized me for not doing pretty stuff all the time (laughs) and it's kind of scary to be you know a female singer songwriter with a you know a voice like the voice that I have and and not always um do it beautifully or in a way that is kind of stereotypically beautiful but I'm really glad that I stuck with it because at this point it feels like it it represents the emotional turmoil much better than um not having done it would would have been but yeah um largely that song we recorded just all in person together so it was me and the string players and you know the winds all in the same room and then Stuart was leading us because the rhythm is kind of funky so you need someone yeah. in between there and well so to wrap up and again i appreciate your time tonight yeah. emily what do you expect for the next few months i mean getting out a little bit maybe you got people getting vaccinated i mean what are your expectations yeah. man i i uh, over the next i mean who knows when who knows when playing music will be possible again but um but i do think I do think as things become safer, I would love to start doing outdoor shows. Yeah, I'm, I'm hard at work on my next album, which is, you know, hopefully going to be a fun project. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned support. So what's the best way for fans to support you right now? 
they can follow me for updates on Instagram. That's a good place to just like see what I'm up to. And then I've got a lot of merch on Bandcamp, which is at emilybrown.bandcamp.com. And my Instagram is emilybrownmusic. We got a lot of vinyl. So if people want to <laughs> buy a vinyl, this record is really, really beautiful physically and just sounds really beautiful on vinyl. And I think that's a great way to support me. Okay. Well, thank you again for your time yeah. today, Emily. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Well, my thanks again to Emily Brown for joining me. And like she said, go check her out at Bandcamp at Emily Brown. From what I'm told, Bandcamp really does support the artists more than most other websites out there. So go up there and go get some merch. And another thing, like I said earlier, I'm going to be taking some time off. So I'm going to be catching my breath and getting ready for a pretty busy summer. Got some really cool stuff coming down the pipe. So stay tuned and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss anything. It's going to be really exciting. I can't believe it's all coming together. So stay tuned for more and I'll see you in a little bit.